0: Let's look unto the Lord in prayer. Father, only you are big enough to touch human hearts. Therefore, we pray that you would do that which you do best. is to rekindle our spirits once again, align us to your word, and that which is not of you God we pray that there would be a divine surgery this day, and you would remove that which causes a hindrance in our Christian walk and witness. Father, we ask you, O Lord God, that you would empower us through your word. For there is nothing else, O Lord God, that can empower us more than your word. Even as the saints of old have said that I have desired your word more than my daily victuals. God, I pray for a rekindling of our hearts towards your word this afternoon. And the work that you would do would remain in the name of Jesus. Father of a truth, it is not possible to do any of these in our own strength. Hence, we ask for the enablement of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, the gift from heaven that the Spirit of God would rekindle our own spirits. Aligning us to the purpose for which you have called us. Setting us on the course. Guiding us throughout the course. And ensuring us that we would make it to heaven at the end in Jesus' name. And Father, when you rule over the new heavens and the new earth, we would rule with you in Jesus' name. And to this end, We pray right now, O Lord God, that beginning from today, you will give us a fresh perspective of who we are in Christ and what you have called us unto. Blessed Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you read God's word. Let's turn to Genesis 19. The last time we visited Genesis together we saw that Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah and the Lord went his way as soon as Abraham stopped speaking now we pick up this story and we would read the full 38 verses I know it's a big chunk but it's more important to hear What God has to say than what man has to say therefore let's just take the narrative from Genesis 19 and if you would permit me when we reach towards the end I would like you to turn to 2nd Peter chapter 2 as well and then we'll come back to Genesis 19 and finish the narrative and there came two angels to Sodom at even And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, unto your servants' house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And if you have a New King James, it says, We may know them carnally. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, Bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore they came under the shadow of my roof, and they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door and the house, door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any here beside son in law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose... Then the angels hastened, Lord, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them up forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed upon me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered unto Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham sat up up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace and it came to pass. When God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. If you turn with me to Second Peter chapter two, Peter was writing, warning the people of false teachers and ungodly people upon whom the Lord will bring judgment, and we begin reading. From verse 4, 2 Peter 2, verse 4. Keep your finger in Genesis 19. We're going to finish that narrative. But let's just look at what the Word of God says in Second Peter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, The eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lord, vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. Come, come back with me to Genesis 19 and we'll finish the narrative. What we read in 2 Peter 2 says that Lot was just and God knows to save the just. Therefore the Lord brought Lot out of Sodom. But catch up the verses from verse 30 onwards. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave. He and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night, this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Before we look at this verse, let's pray once again. Father, in the name of Jesus, you will bless the reading of your word. Indeed, I have no power to speak on mine own authority. I pray that your word will speak and your spirit will speak. Oh Lord God, I pray that the application would come through the Holy Ghost himself. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. The reason why I read Second Peter chapter 2 is that if we read only Genesis 19, you and I would have thought, well done. That's what happens to a wicked man that goes into the world. And we would clap our hands and we would say this is what is going to happen to everyone that rejects the lord jesus but second peter chapter 2 says that lot was a righteous man makes you wonder makes you wonder what the lord is trying to tell you in genesis 19 if you ask why did god put this this incident of lot in between the faith journey of of abraham it makes you understand what is the position of A righteous man in an unrighteous world. What is the position of a righteous man? Unless the Bible had said that Lot was a righteous man, we would not have any clue that God had placed him in Sodom for a purpose. We would think that Lot went in there of his own accord, but God is able to turn that as wicked into something good for his own purpose. Daniel went into Babylon, but God used him. Joseph went into Egypt. God used him. Lot went into Sodom. God could have used him. The Bible says that the righteous Lot was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. I made a deliberate pause over there. And then we came back to see what happened to the man who was saved. Incidentally, that man he makes a shipwreck of his life. Andre Stamos, I don't know if you've heard of that word, was a World War II veteran from Hungary. In 1945, he was captured by the Soviets. And the Soviets took him and incarcerated him and put him in prison. There he was for a long while, and they discovered that probably he had gone insane. So they removed him from the prison and put him in a psychiatric ward. And he was there and he was forgotten. In the Soviet Union, in a psychiatric ward, in, cons- in confinement, solitary confinement. Now in the year 2000, 55 years later, when the Soviets were cleaning out their prisons and their psychiatric wards, they came upon this man and he was blabbering something. They thought that he had really gone insane got a Hungarian doctor and asked him to inspect this man, Andre Stemos. They inspected him and they said that he is not insane. In fact, you are driving him insane. So in the year 2000, he was let out from the psychiatric ward. And do you know the first thing that he asked for? The first thing that he asked for was a mirror. He had not seen himself in 55 years. Think about that. He was in prison... He was imprisoned when he was 20 and when he was 75 he was led out of the prison and he had not seen himself for 55 years. Now, I want you to think about this. It is sad when a man has not seen his countenance, his own face in a mirror for 55 years. But it is sad when a person does not have a mirror for his own soul. When you and I don't have a mirror for our own soul, we lose the purpose for which God has set us in place, and then we go adrift. A ship that is bound to travel 3,000 miles, if it begins with one inch deviation, it would have gone 300 miles off course by the time it reaches its destination. One inch when it began. Not one inch every mile. One inch when it began. It would be 300 miles away from its destination. Lot was a man, and I've titled this message, A Weak Witness in a Dying World. A Weak Witness in a Dying World. Lot is a picture of what a Christian looks like who has lost his identity and who has lost his purpose. That is the import of this passage, and we are going to look at it in the light of the New Testament. Have you ever wondered what your life and what mine is supposed to look like? You and I are working in this land. We are bivocational, at least at least them that are in the elders and the leaders over here, they are bi-vocational. They have one vocation towards God and they have one vocation that which earns them bread. If you and I are in this land, it is because the jobs that we do are better paying in this land. And that was the very reason Lot also moved to Sodom. Before we throw rocks at Lot, let's just understand what you and I have been pursuing that brought us into this land. I don't know how many of you thought and said that, woke up one morning and said, Arabia has not got many missionaries. Let me go there. Would you put up your hand, please? You and I are here for a purpose. Lot moved to Sodom for a purpose, and God could have used that purpose for him to become a strong witness. My question is, are you in the position of Lot becoming a weak witness? You see, the judgment of God is sure. How many of us believe that? The judgment of God is sure. He said that it would be better as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Therefore, this world is going to be burned. That's for sure. But how many people did Lot save? That's the question. It's possible to lose your way and forget your purpose. It's a sad reminder that assault that has lost its saltiness. It's good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot. The Bible says it is neither good for the land, not for the gar- nor for the garbage heap. That means that you wouldn't even bother to carry it and put it into the garbage dump. A salt that has lost its saltiness is worth nothing but to be trampled underfoot. That's a lesson that we learned from Lot over here. Racy Stedman, I don't know if you've heard about him. was a was a very powerful pastor. Ray C. Steadman, Stedman, when he was preaching on this passage, he has asked four questions to Mr. Lott. And he said, question number one, Lott, how has the choice to live in Sodom affected your inner life? You could write these questions down because these are the questions you have to answer. How has moving into this land in search of greener pastures financially affected your inner life? How much have you been able to influence the evil of the city? Or how much of the evil have you been able to resist? Question number two. Question number three. How much of material advantage did Lot make ultimately from Sodom? And the fourth question. How much did Sodom influence your own family? Powerful questions unto which we ourselves have to give an answer sooner or later. In spite of all the magnanimity that God has blessed us with in this land, when we go up and stand before him, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, one answer that we need to give is how much did you bring out of Sodom? You knew that Sodom would be destroyed. How much of it did you bring out with you? Let us try to answer these questions by looking at three indications of a weak witness in a in a dying world. Three indications of a weak witness in a dying world. In a dying world. Number one: a Christian who drifts away from the Lord loses his flavor for worship. A Christian who drifts away from the Lord loses his appetite for worship. One thing that is missing in Lord's life, if you have read, is an altar. Lord did not have an altar in his life. His wife did not see him worshipping. His children did not see him worshipping. The people of Sodom did not see him worshipping. As an antitype, you would find Abraham. He was a man of the altar and the tent. He would pitch a tent, but he would build an altar. So that he could pull out the pegs of his tent and move everywhere that he wanted where the Lord wanted him, but the altar would remain as a reminder that the man of God has been at that place. I don't know if you've pitched tents or built houses, because the portion that we read says that, and, the Lord, and Lot invited those guests into his house. He had a house in Sodom, whereas before he left the side of Abraham, he was living in a tent. How has coming to this land affected your tent? Are you still living as a sojourner or have you built a house? This world is not mine. I am going away. Is that your song or I am here to stay? Is that your song? Number one, a Christian who drips away from God, loses his flavor for worship. Lord was a privileged man because he saw the faith. Of his uncle Abraham. Because he saw that what five kings could not do. His uncle accomplished with 318 home trained soldiers. That was because the Lord was with him. And he saw that when the king of Sodom offered his goods. He said no I will not take even a shoestring from you. Rather you would come and say. That I have made you rich. The Lord has given me. And that is more than enough. He saw all this. And the privileged man called Lord. Did not learn any of this from his uncle. Have you got a mentor in your own life? Whose life you can see. And whose life you want to emulate. Or are the football stars. Your heroes. The world passeth away. And its lust thereof. But he who does the will of the Lord shall abide forever. Second John, First John chapter 2. The hero never became a hero unto Lord. Only a separated believer enjoys fellowship with the Lord. And I, let me tell you this, worship involves sacrifice. It is only if you and I learn to sacrifice that we will learn to worship. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 1. Let's, turn. Let's read verse 6. The Lord brings an indictment against his servants, the priest, that they have despised his name. And it says that a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest. Unto you, O priests, put that in line with 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, which says that you are a royal priesthood. Unto you, O priests, that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised your name? Now look at what God answers. He says, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible, and if he offer the blind for sacrifice is it not evil and if he offer the lame and the sick is it not evil offer it now unto thy governor will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person saith the lord of hosts it is impossible to worship the lord without giving our best unto him lot decided not to give anything to the lord it is impossible to worship the lord To give him your best. Have you given him the best of your time? Have you given him the best of your thoughts? Have you given him the best of your plans and your ambitions? I don't want to talk about money because that's the easiest thing to give. Have you given him your plans? Paul Washer talks about these two young graduate students who come out of college, and this happened in the 1700s. They come out of their own universities and they sell themselves as slaves to go to the sugarcane fields in Cuba. They tell their parents, don't come looking for us because we are going to the sugarcane fields in Cuba where they would import slaves from Africa to work in these in these." Uh, In these sugarcane plantations. They wanted to go there and spread the gospel among them. Were they foolish? Was William Carey foolish to get on a ship and come to India? Unless Adoniram Judson had gone to Burma, the Burmese people would not have a Bible. Were these people foolish who left high paying jobs and they went and they said that I would serve the Lord? C.T. Studd, that great cricketer, he has said, on his deathbed, he called his sons and he said, I have have nothing to give unto you, for I spent it all on Christ. Lot went into the world. True. But the Bible says he had a righteous soul. True. But his righteous soul was a weak witness. A life that has lost its purpose can have no flavor in worship and it has nothing to offer God. A weak witness in a dying world. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. Once the children asked Susanna Wesley, Mother, define sin for me. I don't know if you've heard this. She was an unlearned woman who brought up 19 children. And look at the definition of sin given by Susanna Wesley. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscure your sense of God, takes away your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that to you, my son, is sin, however innocent it may be in itself. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing to you, my son, is sin, however innocent it may be of itself. The four questions that Stad asks, we need to ask ourselves. Number one, how has moving to the big city affected our inner life? Number two, how great has been my influence over this big city? Number three, what did I gain in the end? Number four, how did the city influence me? And the second indicator of a weak witness in a dying world is a Christian who has lost sight of his purpose will begin to compromise on all his values. A weak Christian who begins to drift away from God, will begin to compromise on all his values. I am convinced that if the first thing that Lot forsake was the altar, then the second thing soon to follow would be his values. When the men of Sodom came and said, Give me those men, Lot did not want have the strength to rebuke them because he was now sitting as an elder of the city. Let me tell you, if you compromise with the world and become one of their chief magistrates, then you have even lost your voice to rebuke them. When you become one with the world, then you have lost your voice to even point a finger at them. Even as Nathan pointed his finger unto David's face and he said, you have sinned. We lose all our credibility because what we have given at the altar is our self-respect and our precious calling before the Lord. If we sacrifice that first, then what follows is that, can I bring you out my two virgin daughters? I pray that we will not compromise on our values which are God-given in Jesus' name. It holds such precious, precious value in the sight of God that those that were martyred for the sake of Christ were them that held their principles and they said, the world behind me and the cross before me. It is only a conviction that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient for me that will enable us to endure the persecution of this world. Lot could not endure the persecution of this world that he moved into. And that's why he decided to compromise on one value after the other. The first to get thrown out was probably his tent. He built a house for himself. The second to get compromised was his values. And there was no stopping from them. When David began to compromise on his values, there was no stopping of the sword from his house. Second Samuel chapter 11 talks about David lifting up his eyes and he saw a woman who was bathing and his, and his heart lusted after her. You see, Uriah was more righteous than David. He made more righteous choices than David. It does not depend upon the anointing, it depends upon the anointing and the wisdom. Uriah was more righteous he said that how can i go and have the pleasure of a wife when the uh, when when my lord's army is battling and david for the fleeting pleasure of a moment he took another man's wife and that's why if you've re, if you've read first samuel chapter 12 carefully it says that nathan came and pointed his finger at david and he asked why did you why he did not ask why did you take bathsheba he asked why did you take uriah's wife It's a big difference. But Sheba has an entity of her own, but then Uriah's wife was someone else's property. And in that process, David had broken five out of the Ten Commandments. A man that will compromise on his principles. Samson is the saddest story of the Bible. He was a man who was called for a purpose. He was a man who was even before his birth, angelic beings came and prophesied and said that this is the son that you would have and he is going to be a mighty man and he would be a deliverer, a judge of this nation. And then Manoah and his wife, they, they had this visitation again and the child came and the child was dedicated unto God to be a Nazarite forever. But this man was a man who could not tame his passions. I'll tell you another instance over here where God uses even the passions that are wayward for his own benefit. Because the man said he fell in love with a Philistine woman. And when his father said, do not go after the Philistine woman, he said, get her for me. Look at the stress with which he was saying, get her for me. And then the Bible says that, and Manoah did not know, for this is from the Lord. Lord is even able to use that which is utterly foolish to his own advantage. But he did not know where to draw the line. He fell in love with the harlot. And that Delilah took away all that was his. It is ironical that a man who was supposed to be the judge needed a small boy to take him with his hand and held and hold his hand against the pillars of the Philistine temples. And what a tragic end to a life that had lost It's purpose. He was ready to compromise on his values. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 1 and let's see a young man of 17 as he learns to draw the lines. Daniel chapter 1. Unless we learn to tame our passions, it is only a matter of time before we make a shipwreck of our own lives. Whatever you do not master, will master you. Whatever you do not master, will master you. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of the God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now watch this. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding signs, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans look at that whom they could teach there was a quality that they had to bring and there was a quality that Babylon wanted to teach Please read that carefully. There was a quality that they had to bring, and there was a quality that Babylon wanted to teach. There is a qualification that you brought into this land, and there is something that the land wants to teach you. Unless you're careful, you will begin talking the language of Sodo. Now, watch this. This is the softening portion. And the king appointed unto them daily provisions of the king's meat, who would not want that. And of the wine at which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Let me paraphrase that, that at the end thereof they would not be of any use to the Lord. Now among those that were the children of Judah... Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, but Daniel purposed in his heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might change his menu. Daniel knew where he should draw the line because he saw the purpose and the calling in his life. You and I have been called for a purpose. Whenever we are born again, we lift up our hands when you say, Praise God, for I have been saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, but verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. And we go ahead and say First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, which says, I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people." But verse 10 says, Called out of darkness into his marvelous light to shine forth the light. Daniel knew where to draw the lines. He and the boys decided that they would not eat the same menu that was served to the others. The others fell, but Daniel stood. If you make a decision for the Lord, the Lord will stand by you in Jesus' name. First Samuel chapter two, and the Lord says unto the unto the family of Eli, He says that He who honors me, I shall honor. Daniel decided to honor the Lord. I don't know what your struggles are, but it's not as big as the Lord, because of, because the Bible says that you have not yet resisted till blood. You and I have a decision to make. Abraham gave Lot the decision and he said that, Lot, make your decision. Lift up your eyes and look at the whole plane. It is all before you. See where you would want to go. Lot made the choice. And at the end, the choice made Lot. You and I are the sum and substance of our everyday choices. Daniel knew where to draw the line. He knew that living in a perverse nation, he had to have the Lord by his side. He did not lose sight of the purpose and of his calling. Unless we first establish the purpose of our life itself, then we will not be able to align our activities in line with that purpose. Let me say that again. Unless we first establish the purpose and the meaning of our own life and our own existence, we will not be able to align all our other activities in line with that purpose. Unless we learn to tame our passions, we can be of no influence in this world. God has not called us into debauchery, but unto holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4. One to eight, you could read it on your own. Question is, have you learned to draw the line? When I expose myself to certain things that I should not expose myself to, when I I render myself weak in my Christian witness, when I walk powerless and I find that my ministry is failing, then I lift up my hands unto God and say, God, Why is my ministry failing? Then he would say that you have not walked before me blameless. The Christian experience is not a one-time, one-shot experience. It's a daily walk. It is more easy to be born again than to walk born again. Because at the end, at the end, there will be many saved as through fire, says the Bible. Lot had nothing to show for his years in Sodom. Lot had nothing to show. He even lost his family. And number three, a weak witness in a dying world, the third indication is a half-hearted Christian will have no spiritual influence, neither, in, neither over the city nor over his own home. A weak witness will have no spiritual influence either over his own city, or over his own home I want to show you a couple of things in lot in Genesis chapter 19 let's turn to Genesis chapter 19 verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons in law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Now watch this. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons in law. Literally, the sons in law were saying, You must be joking. You must be joking. A man that has lost his voice because he has lost his worship and he has lost his values. It is inevitable that whatever the seriousness of the matter be, it will be meant to be a joke. You have lost your values. You have lost your worship. Now you have lost your voice. You have nothing to say unto a dying world because it will look as if you are joking. Now you might think. That it is it is righteous Lord. That had the urgency. Look at verse 16. And while he lingered. While he lingered. Why did Lot linger? Because the taste. The taste of Sodom. There's a proverb in my own language which says it's too sweet to spit out, too bitter to swallow. Too sweet to spit out, too bitter to swallow. Sodom was like this in the mouth of Lot. He lingered. I don't know why he lingered, because the Bible over here says that. And he said, we have been sent to destroy the city. And he lingered. His daughters were virgins, says the Bible. That is a small relief when compared to what they demonstrated at the end. But let me tell you, a father, I'm speaking to you fathers. A father who has lost the identity of building an altar at home. You have no right to force your children because they have not seen you bow before one. And I am speaking to you mothers. Because later on in this chapter we find that. And, and Lot's wife. An unnamed person. An unnamed person. She turned back from behind him. Lot was running for his life. His daughters were perhaps behind him. And the wife made up the rare car. She turned from behind him. What is your spiritual influence over your own family? Keep that in just a with what you read in Genesis 18. The Lord gives a testimony about Abraham and says, I know that Abraham would command his family. Not request. Would command his family. And the Lord said circumcised. And Abraham circumcised every male in his household. That's a man of faith. Lot could not even render influence on his daughters. Whereas later on in Genesis 22, we find that a 32 to 37 year old man was laid on the altar. Isaac was not a small boy as we read in, as we study in Friday school. He was a grown up young man. And this young man had such an influence from his father that he lay down on the altar and he was ready when the dagger went up. And Lord could not even force his daughters. What is the influence? The Bible says that if your eye be singular, your body will be full of light. There are two gates through which your heart gets affected. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, it says that guard your heart with all diligence, for from it are the issues of life. But we have not learned how to guard it. We guard it through the through filtering what gets into through our eye gates and through our ear gates. If you continually expose yourself to shows, that will belittle your Christian calling. If you expose yourself to reading material, if you even expose yourself to ads on the TV. I don't know if you've seen the ads right now. Earlier the parents used to say, flick the channels, there's something going on in the channels. Now you could say you can't even flick the channels because there's an ad going on in every channel. I don't know what you expose yourself to and what you're exposing your family to. Beware. Beware. The Lord has a calling on each one of our lives. When God called Ezekiel, Ezekiel was not a prophet, he was a priest. A, a 20 or a 25 year old priest. He was there in Babylon. He was supposed to be a priest if he continued in Jerusalem, but God called him to be a prophet. There is a calling in each of your life in Jesus' name. Do not truncate it in the name of Jesus. I plead with you. I plead with you. Our brother Leslie just now said, one of us can put a thousand to flight. Two of us, ten thousand. Look around you, how many of us are over here? What will happen to this nation if each one of us began living as a true Christian in the image of the living God? Andres Temos did not have a mirror for his face, but you have a mirror for your soul, which is the living Word of God and the living Jesus Christ. If your image does not match the image of Jesus, then there would be little hope for you to get into heaven because God would say, I do not know you. The more we resemble Jesus, the closer we are to getting into heaven. Let me tell you that. The farther you are looking like Jesus, the less you will be recognized at those gates. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Quickly, in conclusion, with eyes closed, I want to make two applications. Think about these as you talk to the Lord. Number one, the first psalm begins with what not to do. And at the end, there is a great reward. There is great pressure, especially among the young Christians in this room, wanting to be popular. They want to be accepted by the crowd. And it's not just the young people. It's those, it's many among us in this room. Confess it to the Lord if you have any such intention. But there are many who want to be popular. Many who have a desire to also worship the Lord. They will they will end up trying to do what the Lord did. Straddle two worlds, which is impossible for the Lord says, you cannot serve two masters. The simple choices that we make every day has got deep ramifications, brethren. The places that we go, the friendship that we keep, the shows that we watch, the language we use, the dress we wear, the books we read, the thoughts we entertain, has got a deep signature in our own souls. Make sure that they are aligned with the purpose and the call. Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. And the second application is the choices that we make has a consequence on others besides ourselves. What do you think was the greatest heartache in the heart of Lot in that cave? Do you think he worried more about what he lost? Do you think that his greatest grief was the dishonor? Nay, my brethren, the greatest wound in his heart was when he woke up the next morning and he realized what had happened. The angels said, bring out everything that you have in this land and flee to the mountains. Lot had nothing because even the angels had to hold his hand and bring him out. Parents, your children are watching you. Whether your interest is in the pursuit of God or in the pursuit of your worldly goals and self-interest. If we have not given our children the right foundation, then they will run to gain the acceptance of Sodom. And this sorrow sometimes cannot be erased. You yourself might get saved. But what about those that come out of the loins? Husbands, your wives are watching you. Wives, your husbands are watching you. Leaders, the congregation is watching you. The question is not how much will I gain, but will it destroy my altar and my tent? The question is will I remain a strong witness to a dying world, no matter what the price? If you want to recommit yourself unto the Lord to find a purpose and a meaning would you rise on your feet as we pray for you? If you've lost your sense of direction if you want to align yourself would you be on your feet? The Lord sees you. If you've lost an inch when you begin your journey 3,000 miles later, you are 300 miles away from the destination. Would you want to align yourself unto God?
1: Those of us that are still praying, sitting down, think about it. The Lord Jesus said, he said, hi, and my father. I said, we stand at the door of your heart and we knock. He said, if you open the door, we will come in, we will abide with you, we will stay with you. You need to understand one thing, God does not force himself on us said in the book of Genesis to Noah he said my spirit will no more strive with man he is inviting you will you realign yourself with him the moon does not have a light of his own but reflects the light of the sun God is seeking for those that will reflect his glory are you one of them? For those of you that are standing, I just want you to raise your hands to the heavens and just speak to the Lord right now. Father, restore me back unto your glory. Think back to the day you met Jesus first. Can you still remember that day? Can you still remember that experience? If you cannot, then you need to stand up. If you cannot remember that joy that, 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 that came into your heart, that day Jesus rescued you out of darkness, then you need to stand up. But if you are standing, just raise your hands up to the Lord and say, Father, I yield to you this afternoon. I yield to you this afternoon. Release your glory upon my life again. Restore me, Father. Restore me. Restore me, Lord. Restore me, Lord. Restore me, Lord. Mighty and everlasting, Father, we, we we come to you, Father, this afternoon with humility. We realize, Lord, that there's a thin line between walking in righteousness and deceiving ourselves. But we also realize that you love us so much. And because of that love, you have brought back our attention. The mistakes that we have been making and we could potentially make. Father, we ask for forgiveness this afternoon. And in every one of us, including myself, everywhere, Lord, we have sinned against you by being weak in our weakness. Ah, have mercy, Lord. Jehovah, forgive us this afternoon, cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. Father, we cannot afford to make the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus of no effect. Because if we do, we stand in the danger of hell. Have mercy, Lord. Father, pluck us out of the fire. Restore us back unto your glory. Let your grace and your favor be available unto us. Father, these ones that are standing, Lord, you know them. Before they woke up this morning, you decided that you will restore them back today. Father, I raise them up to you. We ask, Lord, that the blood of Jesus will have a new meaning in their lives. That the sacrifice of the King will have a new meaning in their lives. That, Father, from today, they will shine like stars in the sky. That when they step out, even as we that are sitting down step out, Father, of a shorting, this nation will know. That the children of the Most High are manifesting from today. Father, we cannot do it ourselves. Because without you we are nothing. But Lord, let your grace, let your favor, let your power, let your wisdom, let your anointing be released into our lives anew. We thank you, Father. As we dedicate our lives to you today. Accept us, Lord. Lead and guide us. Like you spoke to Abraham, reveal yourself to each and every one of us. Let us know that we, work, we have to walk before you perfect throughout this year. We thank you, mighty King, for you have done it. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let's rise up to share the grace.
0: May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Go in newness of life.